Amen. Amen. Just before I do preach, um, we had an AGM this week, and um, AGMs are thrilling for those of you who've been to them. We make, try and make ours interesting. We share vision and we share what's going on in the life of the church. And one of the things we shared there, we haven't yet shared with the whole church, so I thought it'd be a good moment to do that just before I speak uh, this morning. And we've had an eldership at this church for many years that's taken various forms over different years. And uh, we announced on, when was it, Tuesday? Tuesday, God, the week's been, been one of those weeks. It was Tuesday this week that we've just bringing some new people into our, what we're calling our pastoral leadership team. The idea for calling it that is that we ask four people from the church what they understand about eldership. I think you get about eight different answers and because uh, it's, it's got different nuances and different meanings. And so we're calling a pastoral leadership team as we're looking to go into being one church in two locations uh, from September onwards. And we want a group of people who are going to sit and listen to God and say, Lord, where are the people at? What are you doing amongst them? What are you saying to us? And, and what's next for us? We've already got a church council that works and looks after legal, financial, governance, all of that piece. We've got a staff team, a ministry leader team who lead directionally amongst the church and, and outwork a lot of that. But we just wanted a group of people who were prepared to once a month meet and pray and seek God together. And uh, it's important that that covers both sites of the church. And I just wonder if you'd stand up if I call out your name because there's five of us. Rob? You know Rob, he's just been at the front. Judith, uh, Matt, Helen. Um, actually, would you just take a step forward um, as well, and myself. So there's five of us. And we're going to be praying on behalf of the church and praying together and, and just asking these questions. This is a starting point, this team. Um, we're aware that we'll need to grow and continue to raise up leaders amongst the whole church. But I want you to pray for us, please, as we're dedicating ourselves to this task. Uh, we're not meeting every week. We're meeting once a month to pray and ask those key questions. So would you just pray that God uh, enables us to do this uh, carefully, uh, spiritually, wisely, and that for the the, the life of the church would grow and that we would be effective in Jesus' name. Is that all right? Pray for us and continue to do so. Uh, Give these guys a round of applause as they're looking to serve Jesus. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Bless you. Thank you all. So, on to the message. So do do pray. If I could have the slides up, please. I think they should be there. Wonderful stuff. Um, Judith's just been up, stood up, and uh, I'm going to mention her again. Um, Joy and Roger. Roger and Joy. 50 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, you can't see their faces right now. It's just kind of a mixture of wonder and amazement and exhaustion and joy and <laughs> happiness and just wondering how on earth it got to that stage. Judith and I were out yesterday shopping, and we haven't been feeling particularly well, but we managed to go out briefly, and because our wedding anniversary is coming up, we're, we're not at 50 years, but we're halfway there this year, uh, so it's 25 for us this year. So we were out yesterday. I, I hope that's for Judith, not for me, because um, she's had a tougher ride than I have, um, but we're we were out looking for little gifts to give each other yesterday, and uh, it just was. I was thinking about this this message on gift giving again, and and thinking about the gifts God gives us because that's what we've been talking about for a few weeks. Uh, and I just wondered what the most precious gift you've ever been given is, other than life. Um, but don't get too spiritual. What's the most precious gift you've ever been given? It's it's just possible that somebody once gave you a car, maybe, and that was your most precious gift. Um, sometimes the cars people give away aren't that precious, um, but it might have been useful at the time. Uh, maybe you've been given a house. Um, 
potentially people are given houses. Maybe that's your most precious gift. Maybe it's something altogether different. Maybe you've just got a picture somewhere that is your most precious gift, that if your house that was given to you was burning down and if the car crashed, you'd rescue the picture because it says something. Or maybe there's a letter, maybe there's a book, maybe there's something that's precious to you that's more special than anything financial that you've been given. Today we're looking at gifts that God gives to us and how we use them. We've looked at these for a few weeks and I want to just get really practical and say how do we use these things that God gives. And we've been looking at spiritual gifts that God gives to the church. And uh, we'll look at what they are just very quickly because we believe that the Holy Spirit's at work in the church giving us the kind of gifts that we've been seeing today. So we've had people coming to the front with and saying, I believe God's saying this, or I believe there's a scripture I need, a Bible passage I need to read, and, it, and it's this. And we've had different people using those giftings that God's given, prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and tongues and interpretation. And we've been hearing about healings in a park in Tiverton and all these different things that God gives. And these are important. These are gifts given by God. And, and I want to talk about those for a, a few moments to, so that we can understand how to use them and it's really important that we understand that those gifts that are given aren't for us. The gift that this child has of art, um, though it's a sort of gift in embryo at this stage, that we don't yet know if they're going to become a world-famous artist or not, or if it's just them drawing a picture at, at nursery or at home. Um, but this picture that this child has drawn, uh, they've not done it for themselves. They're, they're not rejoicing in their wonderful artistry and enjoying their gift so much as enjoying giving it to somebody else and that's the whole point of a gift is that you it's for the benefit of somebody else not for you and so God gives us the gifts so that we can then give them away and bless other people as a result of having those gifts those spiritual gifts are not here for ourselves and I suppose my key question for us today the key question I'm trying to grapple with and answer is how can we make a difference in this world 70 million people roughly in this country upwards of going towards 7 billion people in the world. How can we make a difference in the world? This group of people that we have here and others like us, how can we meaningfully make a difference? Albert and team going out on the street. One person, two people, going out in twos. What, can, what difference can two people make, really? I believe two people can make a huge difference when you're going out in Jesus' name, when you're going out to make a difference, when you're going out to encourage others. And I suppose it's this question, how do we make a difference and how can I use the gifts that God's given for the benefit of others to change the world? Now, it's just possible you may have seen a high-quality film uh, or read a comic which had some of these characters in, some of these superhero-type characters. Um, just possible. And in the superhero films that you see, um, it's very rare that you remember the characters who got rescued along the way. Most of the emphasis is on the character who's realizing they're a superhero and they kind of discover their superpowers and that's the first third of the movie. And then it all goes a bit wrong and they overuse them or something happens and that's the next third and then it all works out okay in the end. That's the final third generally. Sorry if I've just ruined your superhero movie. If you've got one lined up and you're hoping that you, know, you don't know how it's going to start, finish, or end, I've just given you the whole plot basically. But along the way, there are people who get rescued. There are people who get um, kind of caught out of burning buildings or caught if you're Spider-Man or whatever else the, uh, the, the deal is. Uh, but the focus generally isn't on them. At the end of the film, unless there's been a bit of love interest between the superhero and the rescued character, mostly your attention is back on the superhero again. And all the way through, the, the action is tracking them. After all, they're titles on the film. 
their names on the film. And we go to see, to watch about them. When it comes to spiritual gifts, the focus isn't on the gifted person, or it shouldn't be. Because the work that God's doing isn't for them, it's for others. And so the fact that God's brought a couple of people to the front today and prompted them to say stuff, the focus shouldn't be on them. It should be on us receiving and benefiting from that and then doing something with it. Being growing in our, in our own ability, growing in our development in faith. Because we're here for other people. There's a Bible passage I want to speak on today, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13 into 14, and it's, I'm going to read it from the screen. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. That's the passage I want to speak about today. And and 1 Corinthians 14 is this passage, a guy called Paul is writing, he's one of the early Christians, he's set up loads of churches, he's gone around encouraging them, and now he's writing a letter to a church which has written to him, saying, we've got loads of problems, can you help us? And he's writing back with answers to their questions, and he writes back uh, about these gifts that they've been given by God. And what's happening in their meetings is it's going a little bit chaotic, because some of them are speaking in languages they've never learned, saying that God's given them this ability, and, and they're taking over most of the meeting. It would be a bit like this today where kind of multiple people are just shouting out and, and, there's, and, and then they're wondering, well, hang on a minute, if they're doing that all the time and, and they want to shout out all the time, it becomes a competition between who's shouting loudest and, uh, and people are putting their own ability and talent and gift on display. And he's writing into that environment and saying, guys, you've, you've got this a little bit wrong. You, you seem to be treating these gifts as if they're for you to show off and not to build up the church and build up other people. And so we get this bit in 1 Corinthians where Paul shoves a chapter in about love. And when he writes to the church in Rome and also speaks about spiritual gifts, he also shoves a whole piece in about love. And it's not by accident. It's not by accident that these two passages about love are right in the middle of teaching about spiritual gifts. Love is essential. The gifts that God gives reflect the giver. Just like that little picture I showed earlier on of the child's painting that was stuck to a fridge or a cupboard door uh, reflects the child. It shows their awareness of the world. So the gifts God gives us reflect God himself. And so it's no surprise that we should be using these gifts in love because God is love. He's love. Let me just flick on to that. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities or gifts that the Spirit gives. The first thing about using the gifts is that they should be done with love. I need to ask today, are you sure that God loves you? Really sure. I know Albert is because I can hear him just over there which is good. 
do speak up, by the way. You don't have to right now and answer this question, but just you can internalize it's a rhetorical question. But are you sure that God loves you? As you woke up this morning, were you sure that you started the day loved by God? Or, or was there a thought that maybe if you were good enough and if you came to church and if you did some stuff, he might then love you? Because the truth is that you started the day loved by God. As you were sleeping, before you'd done anything, you were loved. And as you get to the end of the day, no matter what has happened, you will still be loved by God. The love of God comes out of God being love, comes out of his character, comes out of his very nature. Before even the world was created and before we could even see anything of God, before you could say that God was glorious, you could say that God was love. Because God was love before even there was us to love. Glory is when we perceive God and we see his holiness and we see his majesty displayed. But even before all, all of that could be seen, God was love. And 1 John 4 says, God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And so the very essence of God is that he loves us. It doesn't mean that, that God is, is without being other and different. It doesn't mean that God is understandable and intelligible and small and somehow just cute. That's not our God. God is awesome and holy and powerful and majestic, but he's also love. And he loves you without you performing. He loves you when you do perform. He loves you when you don't. He loves you anyway. And it's important that we understand that right in the heart of using these gifts that God gives is that God is love and he wants people to come to know him. Not because it does his ego good, but because he loves people so much that he hates the thoughts of people being separated from him. And so the gifts are given so that we might encourage and grow people, so that we might have a call in a church meeting like this to say, as Rob was saying earlier, have you, do you need to come back to God again? Has your heart grown a bit cold? Do you need a fresh start again? And it's those kind of things that God's always calling us back to himself because he loves us. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 13 into 14. He mentions love because he realizes that the, when you get a gift, when you have an ability or a talent, it, it possibly puffs up a little bit. He, he writes elsewhere, knowledge puffs up. If you know something, you can be very smug, can't you? We had a quiz night last night here raising money for Albania and uh, for the team going to Albania. I was useless. You know, I know a few things, but not, not anything that got asked. And uh, maybe it was uh, the team that everybody else felt the same. You know, you, you know your stuff, but just so happens that nobody ever asks the questions on the things you know about. Uh, because I felt absolutely stupid last night. I managed to contribute, I think, half an answer, and that was wrong. Um, <laughs> so we had to go early, and uh, my team were better off without me. That's the, that's the truth. Um, so maybe you feel a little bit of that, but knowledge puffs up. If you know all the answers, I, I'm having to imagine what this would be like, but I can imagine somebody who does know all the answers, and you just sit there, you know, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> Fill them all out, lovely. Get to the end, how good am I? And, and, and having gifts like that can be a little bit like that. Having a special knowledge can be like that, where you kind of think, I'm, I'm just really cool. I'm really good. Now, it's nothing, nothing wrong about thinking accurate things about yourself. Nothing wrong with being grateful for the work God's done. And true humility isn't kind of diminishing yourself and saying, oh, I'm, I'm just a worm. I, I'm worth nothing. True humility is thinking about yourself a bit less and just enjoying being who God's made you to be and getting on serving him and loving others. 
And we get to this place where if we have gifts, we can be puffed up and elevate ourselves. And Paul's having to write to say, guys, don't be so stupid. It's not about you. Love is your highest goal. Love. The greatest goal is love. The goal of the gifts isn't to use them. The goal of the gifts isn't even to change the world. It's not even to end world poverty. It's not to tackle loneliness. As it says, it's not even to bring God's kingdom. The goal ultimately is love. Love is the highest goal. The, the reason for going on the streets to tell people about Jesus isn't to, to get people to do a certain thing or respond in a certain way. The, the goal is love, that people might see God's love and come to know him. And there's this higher goal, and this greater goal that, that runs along and through everything we do. Whatever we think our purpose is and the, the, the reason for doing it is, there's love as the greatest goal of all. And that outworks in how we care and strengthen care for and strengthen one another. Paul writes next about how we use these gifts. And, and he goes on in quite a practical passage. If you've got time and you, you want to get to grow in these things, then I suggest you read 1 Corinthians 14. Because he talks very practically about what to do. He, he talks about how actually the gifts are expressed along with others. We've seen a case uh, here where there's been a couple of people getting involved, but he gives an illustration here of a smaller gathering in someone's home. That's the kind of context, not a big one like this, but in a small gathering in someone's home, he's saying this, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell a special revelation God's given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what's said. But everything that's done must strengthen all of you. There's this sense that in a smaller gathering, maybe like our life groups, different people contribute, and by the end, everybody should have contributed. There's a place where everyone's getting involved and able to share, and that's why we encourage everyone to go and be joined into a life group because you can get involved in a way that you can't quite on a Sunday morning in the same way. But there's this idea that actually you express your gifts in conjunction and in cooperation with other people. He's actually quite specific. When he writes about speaking in tongues or prophesying, he, he says that if, when you do that, two or three should speak. And then it should be interpreted. If someone's prophesying, he gives a, an explanation that if you, if you stand up with a word and God gives you a word to share, the person who's sharing should sit down and then you should start. And all the others should listen and weigh up what's being shared. And say, is it right or not? Is it from God or not? Is it accurate or not? And there's this sense of mutual submission and all of us working together for the common good working to be a blessing to the whole church, to build one another up. Each person having a turn to speak so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. Once again, we see it's not about us, but it's about others. Thirdly, gifts are used with our own personality still as part of those. Um, Paul writes to these people who are slightly out of control and speaking and shouting and doing their own thing all the time, trying to get their voice heard. And he says this, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. You, you can almost see him writing it, now be a good boy, take turns, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like kids fighting at the top of a slide, isn't it? Who's going to go next? It's, it feels a bit like that. And he's having to write in and say, remember, 
take turns. It feels spiritual. You're doing a spiritual thing, but you're still in charge. You're still in control of using these gifts that God's given for the building up of the church. You're still in charge of what comes out of your mouth, so be careful with it. Because you're not taken over in some super spiritual adventure. This is still you trusting God that God's going to give you something to say to be a blessing to somebody else. What's it like to use the gifts that we're talking about? A word of knowledge, which is what Rosemary spoke about going to the park. And word of knowledge where God tells you something about a situation where you didn't know it before. And she was talking about a guy who went across with his daughter to this group of kids who were in the park and shared some words of knowledge and then said that people got healed. And it's quite likely, I don't know the story in full, but it's quite likely that he went across and felt that there were several people who he, he knew their illness and just said, I, I, can, I think God's telling me this about you. Um, can we pray for you? And that's sometimes how it happens. It's sometimes around healing, though not always. Sometimes it's around other situations. What, what happens practically? Well, different people receive this in different ways and experience this in different ways. I've uh, heard people talk about how when it's around healing, some people, when they're praying, they know they're f- reasonably fit and well, but they suddenly get a pain in part of their body, and, and they kind of an unusual pain. And they say, well, I, I think maybe there's somebody else here who's got a pain just about here, and God uses that sense in their own body to pray for somebody else and bring healing that way. Other people see words, actual text, letters, and they kind of see this, this kind of word that, that's written. Some people just have a sense or a thought of something uh, that pops into their mind that they know isn't from them, but they just know it's for somebody else. Prophecy, where you, you stand and you, you sit and whatever, you, you say, I think God's putting something on my heart to share with people. I remember the first few times I felt God was doing that in my life, and, and I could tell you my palms were wet my heart was beating fast and I, I just knew something was happening. But I didn't quite know what was going on. But I was aware of the meeting and aware of the people around me. And I just thought, I think God wants to say something. And I didn't have the whole thing mapped out. I just had a starting point but knew that I had to share something. And, and, it, and when I had everything just calmed back down again. But I just knew. And over time, those symptoms have changed. So I don't have the same symptoms. You don't get the same prod necessarily. And it may be that you've shared a word a decade or two ago and you haven't felt the same symptoms since. And so you've not shared anything since. I wouldn't, my encouragement would be don't wait for the symptoms. Trust in God. Because those things are often just to get you started. And, and how God speaks to us might roughly be the same. Um, but the, kind of the evidence we get around that might be very different. When it comes to speaking with faith, you might just have a conviction that a situation is going to be okay or God wants you to act in a particular way uh, and nobody else around you feels the same. Trust it. Trust in God and trust in what he's doing in your life. How do you know what it's like to use the gifts? Well, the best way is to try. And it's different for different people and your personality will still come across when you're doing it. So I am an English bloke from the south of England Though I've been to the southwest and I've been up to the Midlands a bit and I'm back down here again. And so, but it's my personality still that is used when God is speaking. I don't become somebody else. I don't have to pretend to be anybody else. And you should be who you are and allow God to use you with the gifts he's given. How do I know what gifts God has given me? Well, last time I spoke, I spoke, I gave a simple way that you can receive these gifts that we're talking about. Ask Seek, trust, and try. Ask God for them. 
I did have a few more before, before that, kind of desire them and all that sort of things, but I've just simplified it today. Ask God for them, seek them, trust him, and try. Don't wait. There are some online tests you can do. You can Google spiritual gifts tests and you can do some tests online. I, I think they've got limited value. Um, good value in terms of temperament tests, good value in terms of working out how you're wired or your uh, other capacities and temperament attributes. But in terms of these particular spiritual gifts, the, no online test is going to tell you if you can prophesy, speak in tongues, interpret, have words of knowledge for people, words of wisdom for people, have gifts of faith or healing. Other than if they ask you, do you prophesy? Yes. Do you like prophesying? Yes. Do you like hearing from God? Yes. What they'll do is they'll, they'll try and do other questions which kind of more temperamentally link you to those things. But in terms of these particular spiritual gifts, I think the only way you can tell is by trying. Ask, seek, trust, and try. How many of you can ride a bike? Yeah? Okay. Wonderful. How many of you can fly an aeroplane? One, two, possibly. Okay, the rest of us. So you, most of us can ride bikes. Now, if I was to say I've got a great theory for how you ride a bike, okay, we, you look at the bike, you read up the bike manual, you ask God to help you ride the bike, you, you earnestly desire bike riding, you trust God that you can ride a bike, but you never try. Uh, my theory is that you probably won't learn to ride the bike. Because as spiritual as that is, and as faith-building as, as that is, and I could probably justify it from the Bible, you actually need to get on the bike and fall off a few times and have a go. It actually needs to be tried and done and practiced. And most kids, if they're trying to learn a bike, to ride a bike, you, you wouldn't when they fall off and they say, oh, I've fallen off, hurt my knee. You wouldn't say, well, you stupid child, you failed, never try again. And yet some of us with these things of gifting that God gives, we, we, we're too nervous to try because we fear that if we have a go and it goes wrong, we've got, never got another chance. And yet the only way is to try and try and try. If, if you don't yet know how to fly a plane, I, I don't recommend that you ask God, read a book, earnestly desire it, trust that you can, and next time you go on a flight, say to the pilot, it's fine. You can take a back seat. I've read the book, I've asked God, and I really want to do this. It's okay. My recommendation would be that you do a course for the sake of all of us. And you learn, and you practice, preferably in a simulator, before you go out in the real thing. And then eventually out in the real thing, and you have a go with somebody who knows what they're doing. And you learn and you try. I believe that God is wanting to pour out his spirit on us in such measure that he gives gifts again. That people, those amongst us who've used those gifts and put them away, have courage again to dust them off and use them again. That those who never have gain courage to say, could I? Me? Even me, but I, don't, I, don't, I haven't even read the Bible all the way through. I've only just become a Christian. I'm not even sure what this Christian faith is. Could, could God even use me? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I believe that God wants to do something today amongst us where he pours out his spirit again, where we trust him.
where we try. There's one verse I want to bring, and it's the one at the bottom of this screen. I'm not going to go through all this just because of time. But there's a verse at the bottom, which is from 1 Thessalonians. And this, this is my proof biblically that it's okay to try. I've got others, but this is, this is one I'm going to share today. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that's said. Hold on to what's good. Let me read that again. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that's said. Hold on to what's good. The implication there is that there's some stuff said that isn't good. Now, Paul writing to the Thessalonians doesn't condemn them for saying stuff that isn't good. He just says, look, weigh it up. He's encouraging them to have a go. He's encouraging them to try. He's encouraging them to speak out and it will be okay because someone else in that room, in that gathering, will be listening and say, we're going to leave that bit, but that bit was really good. And in so doing, they're going to encourage each other and build each other up and school each other and help each other and cause each other's faith to grow as they learn to trust and try. Picking out the good and leaving the rest behind. You will make mistakes as you go out on the street or as you pray for people. Uh, you'll say things uh, that you didn't want to say. It's just like a normal conversation, isn't it? If you go into someone's house for dinner and the conversation's flowing and you, you tell a story and uh, you get back home and you think, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or you, you make a comment to somebody over coffee and you think, oh, that didn't quite, I don't think they took that the, quite the way I meant. And you don't stop ever speaking to people. So in the same way with the gifts that God gives, it's time for us to try. How can we be a difference in the world? How can we use the gifts that God's given for the benefit of others? Well, I think we can do all sorts of things. We can be a, a difference in the world by receiving from God again and by going to give what God's given into other people. We can make a difference in the world by giving the bit God's given into the life of others. I've put a screen up because I don't think I'm going to preach on this topic for a while. So it's just a screen there. If you are taking notes, that's how you grow in gifting. You can just jot those down. Starts with knowing that you're loved, like I was talking about earlier, enjoying God's presence and the word. Worshipping. If you speak in tongues, do so every day, privately, every day. Speak in English, speak in tongues. Ask God and listen to him. Ask him questions. If you want to begin hearing from God, ask him questions. Say, God, what's on your heart for this situation? Ask questions, like the questions I was talking about, but this team I, I asked to stand at the front. God, what are you saying to us? What's on your heart? Where are we at? What's going on? Ask questions of God and then stop to listen. Speak with other people who, who use spiritual gifts and ask them, what, what happens for you? How does it work for you? Speak to them. Stay eager. Paul writes to Timothy and says, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Some of us need to start fanning again. Don't stop God at working. I've got a verse down there that encourages us not to stop God. And try, try, try. I wonder if we can, can I have the band back up? Ross, can you come back up? I think it'd be good to pray today. Um, we're going to be moving on to other topics fairly soon. I think we're good to pray that God's Spirit comes amongst us. Those of you that heard the story about Tiverton earlier on, I'm sure some of us will have thought, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. 
And please, God's at work like that over there. Wouldn't it be great if you did something like that here in our community? And it would, wouldn't it? The trouble is, he uses us. And so that requires us to be the ones going to the park. Or it requires us to be the ones getting out, doing something. I've confessed before that I'd love to be the one sat at home praying for those going out. But it requires us to be the ones going. And so I wonder if you'd stand with me, please. Because I want to pray today for us that God would come. That God would awaken a desire in us to be filled with him. And to see the gifts that he's given and begin using them for the sake of others with love. Never for ourselves, but with love. We had a word earlier about anointing and people being anointed. And if you particularly, I know this could apply to everybody, but if you particularly sense that God is saying, today's the day. You need something new. You need to awaken that desire again. Or you need a fresh encounter with God. Then we want to make this space at the front available for you to come and be prayed for and be anointed. So, Father, we come to you. You love us more than we can get our heads around. I thank you, Lord, that it starts with your love for us. And it continues with your love for us. And you love us. And you continue loving us. But you also love the whole world. And you want us to show your love to the world. God, I pray that as we stood here today, you would encourage us and fill us with a joy and a desire for more of you. God, I pray that you'd, you'd speak to us today in this moment and just show us if you want us to respond in a particular way to say, Father, I need you. Send your spirit again. I want more of you. Father, I pray for every person in this place that we would go out of here today having had a renewed encounter with you where you've done something new amongst us, something fresh in Jesus' name.